Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the company's brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Learn more at businessofcannabis.com. BFC Live guest today is Yoko Miyashida. She is the CEO of Leafly. We connected with her post 420 to hear about her trip to Pennsylvania, where she was advocating for legalization along with some statewide officials there. We wanted to connect with her about that, but actually all things cannabis in the U.S. Yoko, thank you for being here on B of C Live. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to have you because we love Leafly. Um, everybody does. And it's like, if it's not like on the homepage of your uh, sort of Google Chrome, then you are not, you're not really, you're not really in the weed industry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, we love hearing that. Thank you. <laughs> well, it, it has the benefit of being true and you know it from the <laughs> analytics uh, on your end, but I wanted to connect with you. Um, you are obviously based in uh, Washington, not obviously, but you're based in Washington. But then on 420, I see in my feed and lots of feeds that you were in Pennsylvania. With I, I was. The world's I'm calling up my COVID coming out. <laughs> I like it. And you were with, I think, uh, maybe one of the heroes of the past year, um, uh, in 2020, which was uh, John Fetterman. Fetterman? Uh, the Fetterman, the governor Lieutenant of Governor Fetterman. What a cool guy. Isn't he? I, I, I was a little starstruck. You know, I have followed him for really, you know, probably the last year or so. And he's such a huge advocate yeah. for cannabis legalization and really just um, some progressive policies across the board. So I had been just watching from the sidelines as a regular sort of citizen and the consumer side of this. And you know, we publish a jobs report annually. We did done some targeted reach out to particular states to just say, hey, you guys need to have this data in hand. Federal government doesn't track jobs, but we need you to know this is an engine of job creation in your state. And that led to a deeper conversation with Lieutenant Governor Fetterman's team and just turned into this great event to just be on the ground, really advocating for legalization in a state that is just so geographically relevant right now with New Jersey and New York coming online. I know, I love it. Like I, I say that uh, I've been saying, I've been working on a thesis that like people were a little bit hesitant to go first. Like New Jersey even dragged his feet even though the voters mm-hmm. obviously wanted it. Um, but nobody wants to be last. So like once New York really started getting known, New Jersey started speeding up, then Pennsylvania putting pressure even on the other side of New York, like on Connecticut and Massachusetts is now sandwiching it. Like it, it's starting to steamroll and Pennsylvania based on your data is like really, a, it's the keystone state, but it's really gonna be the keystone of like a real vibrant Northeast corridor of cannabis. So we said, you know, we were watching November elections and we were, you know, we knew the data was good. We knew probably as early as last summer that that initiative was gonna pass. And we had said, when New Jersey goes, the dominoes are falling. Because you simply, you know, I, I think you're West Coast originally. Uh, I was in California for a long time, but yeah. We're used to being sort of dispersed. Like East Coast, it's so compacted. You're half an hour drive from multiple states and you just can't afford for those tax dollars and those sales revenues to leave your borders. Yeah. So we were so delighted to see New Jersey go, you know, New York, they moved fast and got it through legislative session. And 
for us, like looking at that, we're like, Pennsylvania's got to go. Yeah. And it's, it really is a sea change and it's happening quickly on a state by state level. Cause again, nobody like people were hesitant to be first, but nobody wants to be last. Uh, but then I, I, there was an interesting story a few weeks back on Illinois and the tax dollars that they are, that they are seeing that they, they put a price tag on what the others, the surrounding states are losing. And it's like, those states must be panicked. Like you just can't lose tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in tax revenue because you won't do this thing that everybody wants you to do. You know, and you know, that was such a great article. You know, those were great stats to see, right? A quarter of Illinois sales are from out-of-staters. It's 100, $150 million of sales. And that's exactly the situation that Pennsylvania is facing. Yeah. It's, it's, and you know, it's it, in Pennsylvania, and you're right, New Jersey is like a key domino because, you know, half of New Jersey is a suburb of New York. The other half is a suburb of Philly. And like New Jersey had to go, but then it puts enormous pressure on New York and Pennsylvania and then probably Delaware. Like it just, it puts enormous pressure. And there's some stats about New Jersey, how many people travel through it every day, like in one direction or the other. Atlantic City is a major draw. Like it is really like... New Jersey is important, Pennsylvania is important, every That's state right. like, has to get it done. They're all important. Then you look at, you know, sort of what I'll call the Southern sandwich with Virginia, who had said, all right, 2024, they have an immediate reaction to New York going in like, okay, well, actually, we're moving that up to July. Yeah, right. <laughs> and granted, we won't have full rec markets, but I think there's just this recognition across that coast of saying, it's time to move, folks. And if we don't, we're going to lose those jobs, we're going to lose those taxes to our neighbors. Yeah. And you're right. It is different than the West Coast and it's different. And we're going to see it here in Canada as well, is that they share media markets and that, you know, it matters in politics, of course. And we know that huh? we know that, um, but it's going to matter in marketing of brands. And that's actually maybe I want to ask you because you obviously see how consumers behave online and what they're looking for, uh -huh. where they're coming from and where they want to go buy things. But, but I, you know, there's this thought that even if they're not actually uh, one market, meaning like New York and New Jersey will be two markets, but it's really one media market. And, mm -hmm. you know, will there be brands in your mind that actually transcend borders, even if those companies are like two different operations, two different states where it's like, you might have brand X and brand X has, you know, these things on the shelves in New York, the same things on the shelves in New Jersey, they're acting as one complete company, just waiting for regulations to allow them to like do interstate right. commerce. I, yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that apart than the nod in my head. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. And, and, and you know, and I, like, think about that. that. That's the business of cannabis, right? Like, there's your podcast right there. Consumers don't know that. Consumers don't know that they actually have to go and set up independent operation, that each brand is a different company as they go into each state with a new license, with a new source of supply. And they probably won't ever need to know that. And right. you'll see those campaigns that are targeting that entire Eastern Seaboard to reach those consumers on mass. Yeah. And, and we've actually had the conversation here in Ontario where we get Buffalo TV, Buffalo radio, you know, like, and the idea that like a Canadian company might have an American brand, but consumers don't care. I'm not even sure like a health Canada who regulates it could even regulate it if they wanted to. Like if a canopy had to, an ad on Buffalo radio for a product in New York, like what are they going to do about this? Right. No, and I think you'll start to see that online too, where they try to, where you'll try to see attempts at regulating sort of, especially close to the border type campaigns. And there's really 
that what makes sense, right? Like we're all in support of consumer safety, appropriate disclosure, making sure cannabis doesn't get into the wrong hands, all of those things. But it kind of brings me back to let's be a little more common sense about all of this in terms of the regulations and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And it is, it's is—it's—it's amazing to watch in real time unfold. And I'm sure you see it too, because, well, maybe I, you tell me, like, do you see upticks in traffic when these things are like the conversation shifts, like in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, New York, for people like, I need to know more. And if it happens, like, where do I find information? Oh, it's like we could show you a literal step change in sort of how our traffic, traffic and interest increases, right? You've always got a baseline of traffic in legacy markets, pre-legalization markets. You see another step change at medical, and then you see that step change in the rack. And that's sort of what Leafly is to consumers. We take you through that entire journey. We bring you up the learning curve because let's face it, it's not necessarily easy to understand how do you actually shop for legal cannabis? How do you actually make an entry into sort of this new industry? So we're here to take you along that journey because it does differ from state to state. Yeah. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see because while we know that New York is going, New Jersey is going, we are hopeful, as you said last week, that Pennsylvania is going, like everybody's entry point is slightly different. The regulations are going to be different, how and where and why you can buy are different. Like all those things sort of change and it's um, eventually they will hopefully be sort of blanket and everybody will have access to anything they want. But until then, it's like you do need sort of overarching resources to help you along that way. Well, it was super interesting just chatting with, we met um, an individual in law enforcement in, while we were on the ground in Pennsylvania and we were having a chat about, yeah, they've decrimmed in Philly, but the next township over hasn't. So really understanding this distinction of being able to walk around Philly, you know, smoking weed, but then going two townships over and getting arrested for the exact same conduct. Think about sort of the risk inherent in that and how much you need in terms of education and information to make sure you're not stepping over those lines as you move. Yeah. And actually, one of the things you were on the steps of the Capitol um, last week talking about was the... Um, the, the the what it would save in terms of arrest so like law enforcement savings oh. people's lives that are like i think you said twenty thousand a year like twenty thousand a year you know as lieutenant governor fetterman says fill the stadium right <laughs> it's 75 million dollars annual cost we look you know re research that 75 million in law enforcement and yeah. how could you put that to other uses i can think of lots fighting. of good ways yeah yeah yeah, so could not, I. Not to mention, I mean, not to mention like just the cost of like life, like the, the, the um, you know, not necessarily death, but like the, the idea that, you know, this is thing that we're cracking down on that, that nobody believes we ought to be cracking down on and it, it disproportionately affects people of color. Like it, oh, it 100%. Just, it's been a shit it, show. It is a shit show. And, you know, I was so inspired by so many of the folks on the ground advocating and out um, yes, uh, last week on the steps of just saying, look, we need pardons because the collateral consequences from having an encounter with law enforcement over cannabis are lifetime consequences, right? Yeah. It's your ability to get a job. It's your ability to get housing. It's your ability to get credit. There are so many issues from what really, you know, from ultimately what is a failed policy coming out of really suspect origins. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we prohibit it? Yeah. I, I was just having this chat. Like, there are 
this is a, we were my husband and I were chatting about I think Lebanon just legalized or he was reading about something or along those lines I'm like yes because this has been in cultural traditions for thousands of years yeah and maybe this will just be a blip when they look back 100 years from now they'll be like there was this weird period of time where cannabis was illegal and they were cracking down on it and then then it wasn't like and it'll seem like it all of a sudden this is why I've been thinking about alcohol a lot right like it was and then it wasn't right and now the ubiquity of it when you actually like when people ask me sort of what the cannabis industry is like and the regulations, I said, well, just think about your day-to-day life and how ubiquitous marketing of alcohol is, right? And it's like stadiums are named after it. Like the the main amphitheater in Toronto is called Budweiser Stage. And you, you know, they think people aren't using cannabis indoor. Like, it's just such a silly, it's so silly, right? It's like, it's, it's rooted in, you know, in, in, well, you know, it's just, it's racism and, and just uh, paternalistic governing, like it's all those things. And like, at some point we're just gonna be like, oh, it was so silly. Now we have this huge burden off our shoulders and especially people who've been arrested and incarcerated for this is yeah. like, you know, we have to get at that because it's just, it's silly. Well, we talk a lot internally about the stigma is real, right? And that's sort of one of, one of our big goals is how do we destigmatize this? How do we normalize this? And how do we deprogram so many minds and how we think about cannabis and we do that through science and education mm-hmm. and 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 not to blow smoke but like leafly has a big role in it. it's like it's it is the number one source where people will find like if they look up anything you're going to come to leafly um and sort of taking people along that path in a way that is thoughtful that is grown up that is well researched and, and you know and hits them where they're exactly where they're in that sort of paradigm that you talked about. Yeah. So kudos to you, but also more than that, kudos to you and the team for really taking an advocacy role to get, you know, the next wave of states and not making it about free weed, which is great, but like, you know, there's a there's an economic component, there's a law enforcement component, there's a equity component, all those things wrapped up into what you were doing on the Capitol steps last week, which we ought to see more of, I think from from an industry. I think it's um it's such a like this is why I love it. I love this space. It's it's so multivariate, right? Like there are so many avenues and like and opportunities for anyone to get involved in the advocacy around this. Like there is something for everyone, whatever floats your boat in terms yeah. of your cause. We like to be very holistic and looking at, hey, what does this actually take? And um yeah, to your point of the there are the free weed people. And I would I, I would not discount sort of weed is fun so let's not take the fun out of it either right like there was if you look at the photos from the capital event there is an individual dressed up as a with the most ornate cannabis plant costume looks like a stem of like a whole plant a weed plant and i was was so blown away by that so like you've shown up like you took the time to show up you made this costume and you're here on the steps going legal. Like uh, that just really blew my mind. It's great. And yes, we need to talk about criminal justice reform and we have to talk about the economic benefits. It can't, this is, this is the magic of the plant. It can carry so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing you just said. Um, well, I want to leave it there because I want to make sure we have to like in the future, you come back and talk about other stuff too. But I want to thank you for what you were doing last week in Pennsylvania. We look forward to following that 
path forward uh, from there with the Lieutenant Governor there and the rest um, and, and continue obviously to see the success of Leafly and all that you do. So thank you for making time. We look forward to connecting with you. Absolutely. Thank road. you for having me. It's great to meet you and we'll continue the conversation. Well, look, maybe we will all get together at some point in this year. I don't know. I'm hopeful. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yoga, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again. That was Yoko Miyashida, the CEO of Leafly. If you like this program, please rate us and review us. As always, check us out at businessofcannabis.com. Thank you for joining us on BOC Live today. We're able to do what we do thanks to our ongoing partners, including Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Headset, Gallagher, and Torque and Maine.